have your Bibles, I think I've done all the announcements. Uh, one other thing before we get into the message, we just got our new daily devotionals in uh, for December, January, and February. Please get you one and get some for your family as well or your workplace. We got plenty of them, so pick those up. They're back there at the back. And if you have your Bibles this morning, I want you to turn to Acts chapter 11 and Genesis chapter 15. I always like to tell you to turn to at least two passages of Scripture, and I like where you can turn to something in the Old Testament, something in the New Testament. So turn to Acts chapter 11 and Genesis chapter 15. We're in this series. If you haven't been here, or maybe you've been here and just, you know, you're staying up online, you can stay up online on hfchurch.com if you miss a Sunday on our podcast. Um, we've been in a series on, on the book of Acts, and most of you know I'm a teacher. I love teaching God's Word. I love when I see light bulbs come on and people, that's the teacher in me. Um, and, but one thing I like teaching, going through the Bible and teaching a chapter at a time, is because it disciplines me as well to stay in the Word, but it also, uh, I don't skip anything. You hear the full gospel. I don't just get up here and teach on the things that I like to teach about, my little subjects, my little topics. It makes me dig into Scripture and teach you things that you may have never seen before, heard before, even even taught from a pulpit before. And I really think that I'm going to teach you something today that you've probably never heard from a pulpit and never heard on a Sunday morning especially, uh, or maybe any morning or any evening service you've ever been to. Uh, and this is in Acts 11, verses 1 through 18. And uh, we're going to get, last week we talked about Acts chapter 10, and this is kind of the, the continuation of that where Peter explains what happened to him uh, in Acts chapter 10. But we're going to read starting in Acts chapter 11, we're going to start in verse 1. And I don't have these on the screen. There's going to be other scriptures we're going to look at here in a little bit. Because I'm trying to encourage you guys, either bring your phone. I know Samaria's got it on her phone. Uh, some of you got a Bible. I still, old school, like to bring my Bible. And um, so get your Bibles out and turn to it. But Acts 11, verse 1, it says, The apostles and the brothers throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles also had received the word of God. Aren't you thankful for that? Because we're Gentiles. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcised believers criticized him and said, you went into the house of uncircumcised men and ate with them. And Peter began and explained everything to them precisely as it had happened. I was in the city of Joppa praying and in a trance. Everybody say trance. Can you believe that's in the word of God? Okay. I, that just jumped out at me when I was studying uh, Acts chapter 11. It says, I was in a trance and I saw a vision. I saw something like a large sheet being let down from heaven by its four corners, and it came down to where I was. I looked into it and saw four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, reptiles, and birds of the air. Then I heard a voice telling me, get up, Peter, kill, and eat. And I replied, surely not, Lord, nothing impure or unclean has ever entered my mouth. And the voice spoke from heaven a second time, do not call anything impure that God has made clean. And this happened three times, and then it was all pulled up to heaven again. Right then, three men who had been sent to me from Caesarea stopped at the house where I was staying. The Spirit told me to have no hesitation about going with them. These six brothers also went with me, and we entered the man's house. 
He told us how he had seen an angel appear appear in his house and say, Send to Joppa for Simon, who is called Peter. He will bring you a message through which you and all your household will be saved. As I began to speak, the Holy Spirit came on all of them as he had come on us at the beginning. Then I remembered what the Lord had said. John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So if God gave them the same gift as he gave us, who believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I to think that I could oppose God? When they heard this, they had no further objections and praised God, saying, So then, God has granted even the Gentiles repentance unto life. And everybody said, Amen. This is Acts 11, verses 1 through 18. The main scripture that I want to focus on today is this one right here. It's Acts 11, verse 5. And this is what it says. It says, I was in the city of Joppa praying and in a trance. I want everybody to say trance again. Trance. I saw a vision. And I saw something like a large sheet being let down from heaven by its four corners. And it came down to where I was. So as I was studying this, I thought, Lord, I've never heard a message on a trance. And I never even, you know, it's in the Bible. It's biblical. And I began to feel the Holy Spirit telling me he wanted me to teach on this. So I'm going to teach on it today, what this means. The Greek word, if we all know the New Testament was written in Greek, the Old Testament was written in Hebrew, the, the New Testament word is ecstasis, where we get the word ecstasy from. The Old Testament word is the word tartama, and it means a visionary sleep. How many like those kind of sleeps? A <laughs> visionary sleep, all right? And he says, I saw a vision. I saw something like a large sheet being let down from heaven by its four corners, and it came down to where I was. Scripture teaches this. Scripture teaches three, three kinds of prostration of people laying before God, okay? The first one is voluntary prostration, and I'm going to talk about this tonight at our community service. Uh, Luke 17, verse 16, when it talks about the ten lepers that were healed, and it says that only one came back to tell God thank you, tell Jesus thank you. And it says he threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. So he came and he voluntarily threw himself at Jesus' feet. And it's like people coming up to the altar and just kneeling, or you're voluntarily kneeling, falling down before God and praying and thanking God. So there's, there's the first one. The second one is when you fall under the power of a, of a heavy, what I call a heavy burden of prayer. I don't know if it's ever happened to you. It's happened to me on several occasions. Um, I can remember one of the times that it happened to me was whenever my son, when I was going uh, praying for Jaden to be healed. We was at a hospital, and I went down. I would go up to his room, and then I would go down to the chapel, and I remember just laying out before God and just praying and just under this extreme heavy burden of prayer, and I was just laid out before God. This happened to Jesus, too, and it says, going a little further, this is Matthew 26, verse 39. It says, going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, My Father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. So this is when you have this this heavy burden of prayer, and I don't know what it is about a heavy burden of prayer. What you want to do is just lay out before God and just pray and humble yourself before God. But what I'm talking about today and what Scripture is teaching about in Acts chapter 11, and I'm just going to show you what Scripture says about this. Everybody ready to learn something today? Okay. Is number three. And this is when you're, this is what happened to Peter in Acts chapter 11. He was overwhelmed by God's presence. 
and he went into a trance. Okay? He went in ecstasis. He went into a tartama. All right? This is the Greek and the, the Hebrew word for it. It's biblical. And it was just because he was being overwhelmed by God's presence. I want to say this right off the bat. <laughs> this is not a Pentecostal thing. This is not a charismatic thing. This is a Bible thing. This is a Christian thing. It's so funny. I always tell Jazz, like, every time I'm preparing a message, it seems like God brings somebody across my path, a situation or circumstances that just illuminate things to me. And this week I had a, um, a dinner in Oklahoma City or a lunch with a group of pastors, and one of these pastors uh, was not, he was from another denomination. He was a Christian. He knows Jesus. We can have fellowship with one another. We're on the same team. Amen? And he was telling me his conversion experience when he got saved. And he said, when it happened to me, Mark, he goes, I was driving between Woodward and Guymon. He goes, you ever drove out there? I said, yeah. He goes, there ain't nothing out there, is there? I said, no, there's not. There's nothing out there. And he said, he goes, I, I became, he goes, I was a teenager at the time. I was running from God. I was doing all kinds of bad things and stuff. And he said, he goes, I know I had, you know, people praying for me. Uh, and God was answering those prayers. But he said, between Woodward and Guymon, he goes, Mark, I had a vision. And he said, and this vision told me, God told me, if I don't turn around, that I'm going to end up dead and not in a good place either. And he said, it got a hold of me. It shook me to my core. And, uh, and he said, that's when I accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior. And then he looks at me and goes, he goes, Mark, I had a vision, and I'm not even Pentecostal. And I said, well, isn't that something? You don't have to be Pentecostal, brother. You know, all you got to do is be a Christian. And, uh, and if you go on reading in Acts chapter 11, in verse 26, it says the disciples were first called Christians at Antioch. Were Christians. It doesn't say they were first called Baptists. They were first called Methodists. They were first called Presbyterians. Or they were first called Pentecostals at Antioch. It says they were first called Christians. Everybody in here is a Christian. It cracks me up on social media when you say, when they say their religious views, and it says out there Baptist, Methodist, Presbyterian, non-denominational, I'm like, how about we just put Christian? Okay, we're all Christians, amen? And uh, so, so this is, I just want to stress real quick, what I'm teaching you today is not a Pentecostal thing. It's not a charismatic thing. It's a Bible thing. It's a Christian thing. All right. So, um, <laughs> one of the, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share this story too, because because uh, I, I know some of you in here, I can already feel it. I can feel it from up here, that pushback going, where is he going with this this morning? Um, I can feel you. Um, I was thinking about an evangelist that I, I like listening to. His name's Jesse Duplantis. And um, he was telling a story um, in his ministry where he said he was preaching at a church on a Sunday morning or Sunday night. I can't remember what it was, but he said he was preaching, and he said he gets, he gets all excited, you know, and he, he's a preacher, and he, he says, I was jumping up and down, and I was saying, glory to God, glory to God. And he said, and I turned around, and he goes, he goes there's a choir loft up here in this church. And he said, when I turned around, he was like, I was just stunned, he goes, because the whole choir was just a shaft of lights. And he goes, and they were angels. And he was like, oh, my gosh, you know, I'm actually getting to see this. And he said, I just totally forgot about the whole congregation sitting behind me. He said, there was a little old lady sitting on the back row, and she stood up, and she goes, I see him too. 
And she goes, he goes, just me and the old lady were the only two that saw these angels. And he said, and I'm standing there going, what in the world? And, he said, and they said, they started walking out of the choir loft. And he said, one of them walked right by me and looked at me and smiled. And he said, when they walked out into the congregation, he said, the whole congregation went into an ecstasis or, or a tartama, went into a trance, said they all fell under the power of God in the whole church. The whole church. The whole church did. Except for me and that little old lady. And he said, one of the ushers at the end of this service, one of the ushers at the end of the service said there was an old man, an old cowboy, and said he was crawling out of the church on his hands and knees to get out the, the back door. He was crawling out, and he reached up to get his cowboy hat, and he's putting his cowboy hat on, and he, he looked at the usher, and he said, I ain't into this stuff. <laughs> oh, I thought that was so funny. So if you're not into this stuff, this stuff is Bible, okay, what I'm talking about today. And uh, I love that story. But talking about the Methodist Church, um, one of the founding apostles of the Methodist Church was John Wesley. And he was the first one that turned, coined this term, but he's, he called it being slain in the spirit. Some of you may have heard of that. Some of you may not even know what in the world I'm even talking about today. That's okay. That's why I'm teaching this. All right? Some of you have been around it. Some of you understand. Some of you have seen it. Some of you haven't. It's okay. It's Bible. He called it being slain in the spirit, or he also called it falling under the power of God. And he said the first time it ever happened in one of his meetings, he said, I was preaching, and a lady fell out under the power of God, fell out of her chair, fell into the floor, prostrate before God. And he's like, oh, my gosh. And he goes, is there a doctor in the house? And he said, he said I was fortunate there were three there that Sunday. He said, had three doctors in this, in this church. He said, they came up and checked her out and said, you know, Pastor, she's fine. She's okay. You know, I don't, I don't know what's going on. And he said, so we were all so overwhelmed what was going on. So, and somebody was started, there was whispering among the people, is this God? Is this the devil? What's going on? And uh, John Wesley had enough spiritual wisdom in him. He said, you know what? I'm not going to continue my message. We're just going to sit here and pray. And when she comes to, God only knows when that's going to happen, but when she comes to, whoever she gives glory to, that's when we're going to know. And so he said they sat there for 45 minutes while this woman was like that. And then she came to, and she began to praise God and said that she had a vision, and she said, I was caught up to heaven, and I saw the Lord, and they all just went ecstasis, ecstasy in the house uh, because this woman had experienced the Lord. And that happened with John Wesley, who was the founder of Methodist, John, uh, the Methodist Church. Jonathan Edwards was a Puritan pastor, and he called it losing all strength or their strength failed. It happened in his meetings. There's a reason why I'm sharing this with you. Charles Finney, a Presbyterian preacher, had 400 people in a meeting fall under the power of God. There's stories, another couple of guys from the, the Methodist denomination, the Methodist church was George Whitfield and Peter Cartwright. Peter Cartwright was a six foot four uh, cowboy and was a preacher. And that, uh, this happened in their meetings as well. They were both Methodist preachers. Here's what I want to tell everyone in here today. This, what I'm teaching on today is a sign and a wonder, okay, that's in the Bible, it's biblical, and it has happened in every move of God in church history. I encourage you, I don't have time to go into all of it, but go home and study church history. It's happened in all of the Great Awakenings. It's happened in Methodist churches. It's happened in Baptist churches. It's happened in Presbyterian churches. And some people have been down for hours and days. There's one, there's one story where a lady, where a person, it wasn't a lady, I can't remember if it was a, a guy or a lady, but they were down for eight days. Let me tell you something, you can't do that without the supernatural intervention of God. can't be that long without water, all right, down for eight days. 
why do people fall under the power of God? And the reason why they fall is when the natural comes into contact with the supernatural, something has to give. And guess what? It's not going to be God. It's going to be you. And it's being unconsciously conscious is what I like to say. Unconsciously cautious. Everybody still with me? Okay. It's happened to me several times in my life. Uh, the first time it ever happened to me was in Elk City Civic Center back in October of 1993. And Jade and I went up for prayer at a meeting there. And uh, the presence of God was so strong. Um, I didn't know what was happening at the time, but I was being delivered and set free. And the next thing I knew, I was looking up at the ceiling. And it was just, and when I got up, I, I cannot tell you, I felt clean. I felt joy-filled. I felt uh, there was people there that I didn't like. Have you ever been to church when you, there was people there that you didn't like when you first walked in? Okay, I'm just being honest. When I walked in, there were some people there that I didn't like. And when I got up from that, that, that experience, that encounter that I had with God, I couldn't wait to hug them because I'd already forgiven them in my heart. There was just this supernatural love that I had for them. It's amazing. It's all through the Word of God. I'm going to just kind of take a little jet tour here for just a second through the New Testament. In Acts 9, verse 4, talking about the Apostle Paul when he was Saul, his, his conversion experience, it says, He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? That's in Acts 9, verse 4. Later on, Paul, uh, the Apostle Paul tells this story again. By the way, the Apostle Paul wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, and he had this experience, this sign and wonder. And he says this in Acts 26, verse 14. He says that because there was other guys with him on this journey that day on the road to Damascus in Acts 9, it says, we all fell to the ground, and I heard a voice saying to me, but he was the only one that heard the voice, Paul. But every one of them fell to the ground that was with him. He said, I heard a voice saying to me in Aramaic, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. And I'm going to show you a few other scriptures that you can jot down and look these up yourself later. But in John chapter 18, in uh, verses 1 through 6, here's another experience and encounter. This is when Jesus was arrested. It says, When he had finished praying, Jesus left his disciples and crossed the Kidron Valley. On the other side, there was an olive grove, and he and his disciples went into it. Now Judas, who betrayed him, knew the place because Jesus had often met there with his disciples. So Judas came to the grove, guiding a detachment of soldiers and some officials from the chief priests and Pharisees. They were carrying torches, lanterns, and weapons. Jesus, knowing all that was going to happen to him, went out and asked them, Who is it you want? Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. Watch this. He says, Jesus said, I am he. And Judas the traitor was standing there with him. And when Jesus said, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. And we read that. Most of you have probably read that if you've read the Gospels, and you just skim right over it. They fell under the power of God when Jesus said, I am he. I am that I am. Matthew chapter 17 is another experience, another encounter. Matthew 17 Verses 1 through 6. Everybody glad you came to church today? You're learning something today? Matthew 17, verses 1 through 6. This is the transfiguration. It says, After six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, the brother of James, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. There he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light. Just then there appeared before them Moses and Elijah talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. 
no, no doubt, Peter. If you wish, I will put up three, three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. And while he was still speaking, a bright cloud enveloped them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. And when the disciples heard this, they fell face down to the ground, terrified. And then it says in verse 7, But Jesus came and touched them and said, Get up, don't be afraid. And so when they looked up, they saw no one but Jesus. I'm going to have a little side note, a little sidebar here, something that I learned this week that, we, that you don't think about, but it's in Scripture. I was thinking about this. Peter, James, and John were with Jesus when this happened. And they said that they saw Moses and Elijah. How did they know what Moses and Elijah looked like? They never saw them. So I just want to share that with you. Some of you have loved ones that went on to be with the Lord. Because I've had this thought myself. Am I going to recognize Jaden? And I'm going to tell you, any family member before you that you've never seen before, as soon as you step into heaven, you're going to know them. You're going to know that's them. That's them. That's my great-great-great-great-granddaddy that I never saw, or my grandma. Isn't that good news? All right, there's your little sidebar. Matthew chapter 28 is another uh, example of this. Verses 1 through 4 says, After the Sabbath, at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothes were like white as snow. And the guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. They fell under the power of God. The Bible even says they shook. Sometimes that happens. That's another sign and wonder. Everybody still with me? It's Bible. It's Bible. It's a sign and a wonder, and it's happened in every move of God. And, and, and you might be saying, well, Pastor Mark, are you suggesting that's going to happen here? I'm suggesting that if it's Bible and if it's happened in church history, I'm believing that it's going to happen here. And it has happened here. It has. If you've been here in church, you know, I've been here for 22 years. It has happened here. It's going to happen again. And the reason why is because it's Bible and it's even church history. And so don't leave here going, I ain't into this stuff. <laughs> because this stuff is Bible stuff. And everybody said, you might be saying, well, what happens when that, this happens? Well, guys, only God knows. But what I do know is this. I can tell from my own personal experience and things that happen in, in church history and even in the Bible is when people fall into the power of God and they're in this trance, in this ecstasis, in this tartama, God can do things in them that no person could ever do and no amount of counseling could ever do. And then uh, he, can, he can input things like a vision for their life or destiny or whatever or purpose, but he can also extract things out that are hindering you from in your walk with God. It's like spiritual surgery that only God can do. No man can do it. No amount of counseling can do it. It's like in a moment God can do what would take you several lifetimes to get over. And everybody said, and I'm going to show you this in the Old Testament. That's why I want you to go to Genesis chapter 15. I'm going to show you this Tartama word in, in Genesis chapter 15. Everybody remember Father Abraham had many sons? Sad <laughs> Father Abraham. Yeah, okay, good. You guys have been to Sunday school. Um, but Father Abraham, he had one son. 
and he was believing for one son, and it was, we all know that it's Isaac because we know the story on this side of it. But before it happened, him and Sarah tried to make it happen, and that's why they had Ishmael with Hagar. Everybody know that story. That's, you don't need soap operas, just read the Word of God. And so then, then in Genesis chapter 15, if you'll read all of Genesis 15, Abraham is still doubting God, okay? He's still doubting God, and he's saying, God, you know, it's not happening. You need to speed this up. Are you going to bring an heir through my, my servant, which is Eleazar? Are you going to bring an heir that way? And God's like, this guy ain't getting it. I'm going to have to knock him out, okay? <laughs> Amen? That's another way I like to put it. That's the redneck version. Sometimes we just, we just don't get it, and God says, I just got to knock him down. And I need to talk to him myself. So this is what happened to uh, Abraham. Now Abraham, in Genesis chapter 15, verses 12 through 16, it says, As the sun was setting, Abraham fell into a deep sleep. Okay, this is how they translated it, but in Hebrew it's the tartama, the visionary sleep. He fell under the power of God. And it says, And a thick, dreadful darkness came over him. Then the Lord said to him, Know for certain. Here it is. Know for certain that for 400 years your descendants will be strangers in a country not their own and that they will be enslaved and mistreated there. But I will punish the nation they serve as slaves, talking about Egypt. And afterward, they will come out with great possessions. You, however, will go to your ancestors in peace and be buried at a good old age. In the fourth generation, your descendants will come back here for the sin of the Amorites has not yet reached its full measure. In a deep sleep, okay, in this tartama, in this trance, in this falling under the power of God, God speaks to, to Abraham in this vision that I, when you wake up, you're going to know for certain that you're going to have a son. And God says, you're going to know for certain so much that I'm going to show you what's going to happen in your lineage 400 years from now. Can you imagine having a vision where God shows you what's going to happen in your lineage 400 years from now? That's how God wanted him so bad to get it. That you're going to have a son, and I want you to know for certain. If you'll go and read this story, after he came out of that deep sleep, he never had a doubt again. The gift of faith rose up within him that I don't, I don't have no doubt. And everybody said, Will and Amanda, no doubts. What we prayed for this morning, no doubts. No doubts. Okay, we're going to go a little bit further. because <laughs> When I was studying this, I, I, so when I study God's Word, I, I, me and the Holy Spirit have this deal where and I, I get, it gets fun, okay, when you start studying this out. Because I, I'm, I was picturing this day that I was going to be having this deer and headlight looks, okay, which I see a lot of them this morning. And, and I understand it because I was never taught this either. I had to dig into the Word myself when I saw this happen one time and then had it happen to me. But Ezekiel 128, I love this story about Ezekiel. In 128, he says, Like the appearance of a rainbow in the clouds on a rainy day, so was the radiance around him, talking about Jesus. This was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. And when I saw it, notice this, I fell face down and I heard the voice of one speaking. Okay? I love this. He said to me, son of man, stand up on your feet and I will speak to you. He's like, I can't get up. Verse 2 says, as he spoke, watch this, the spirit came into me 
and raised me to my feet, and I heard him speaking to me. That's what the one I want to see. I want to see somebody fall into the power of God, and then God stand him right back up. And I want to see him knock him back down and stand him back up. <laughs> Amen. Uh, I love that story. All right, here's another one, Second Chronicles. I'm just going through here and showing you some in the Old Testament. Second Chronicles 5, verses 13 through 14. It says, And it was the duty of the trumpeters and the singers to make themselves heard in unison in praise and thanksgiving to the Lord. And when the song was raised with trumpets and cymbals and other musical instruments in praise to the Lord, it says, For he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. The house, the house of the Lord was filled with the cloud, so that the priest could not even stand to minister because of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord filled the house of God. That was in the Old Testament. That can happen in the New Testament. It's all through the Word of God. You're on solid biblical ground. This is a sign and wonder, of course, when it happens where people go, what's going on here? Now you're going to know what's going on. It's a sign and wonder of the Most High God. All right. Now I'm just going to go back in a little bit of church church history. I'm going to share one last thing with you and then a prophetic word. Um, some of you will recognize, if you know anything about church history, this lady right here, her name is Maria Woodworth Etter. July the 22nd, 1844 through September the 16th of 1924. Okay, just a Christian woman. She was a preacher. Um, this happened in her meetings. Um, they say that she was the founder of the Assembly of God church denomination. It's amazing how John Wesley, these were all, these people had apostolic anointings from God, and then what followed them was a church. But then man came along and put his stamp on it and had to call it something. Okay? We're all Christians, the body of Christ. So this is what happened with her, Maria Woodworth Etter, before there was ever an Assembly of God Pentecostal church. She, she was the, the founder of that. And so that man created a church after her. She went around all over North America. She had a tent that would seat up to 8,000 people. That was huge in that day. They would say sometimes there was up to 25,000 people at her meetings. She would pray for the sick. People would get healed, delivered, set free. Just powerful things would happen. But one of the things that would happen when she would come to an area, this is, and it's not Maria Woodworth Etter, it's Jesus working through her. She was just a vessel for Jesus to work through. But whenever she would go to an area, it would not just affect the people that she ministered to there. It would affect the whole, the whole community, the whole city, the whole region that she was in, that anointing. And I want to show you this. I, I took this, the next uh, few slides, actually the next four slides, out of a book called Signs and Wonders, and it's talking about her ministry, Maria Woodworth Etter, and I'm just going to read this to you. It says, The power of the Lord swept over all over the city, up one street and down another, sweeping through places of business, workshops, saloons, and dives, arresting all classes of sinner. Men, women, and children were struck down in their homes, places of business on the highways, and lay as dead. They had wonderful visions and rose converted. Notice how they rose up, changed by the power of God, given glory to God. When they told what they had seen, their faces shone like angels. The fear of God fell upon the city. The police said they never saw such a change, that they had nothing to do. They said they'd made no arrests and that the power of God seemed to preserve the city. A spirit of love, I want you to notice with, with this, 
that love is going to be this last day move of God. What's going to rule and reign is the spirit of love and unity within the body of Christ. And it's going to draw thousands to the Lord. Rested over all the city. There was no fighting, no swearing on the streets. The people moved softly. And there seemed to be a spirit of love and kindness among all as if they were in the presence of God. Sounds like heaven, doesn't it? So this was heaven on earth. One night a sleigh load of men, I love this, one night a sleigh load of men and women were going to the meeting and they were jesting about the trances, what we've just been learning about this morning. They were making jokes about it. They made the remark to each other that they were going, to, that they were going in a trance that night. Before the meeting closed, all who had been making fun were struck down by the power of God and lay like dead people and had to be taken home in that condition. And you know when they woke up, they were converted, okay? All right, Signs, Wonders from Maria Woodworth Edder and her ministry back in the late 1800s and the early 1900s. I just love that. There was a little book that I read, um, and I've read it several times. Uh, it's by Kenneth E. Hagan, uh, who was an apostle. He founded the Rama Church in Tulsa. And, uh, and they've got a college there, and that ministry is worldwide now. And uh, I love reading his books. He was just real simple. He was a, he was a Baptist preacher, is who Kenneth E. Hagan was, and he got filled with the Holy Spirit. This man had a lot of wisdom. Um, he was a very spiritual man. He walked in the anointing. Uh, but one of the, the chief things that he said, somebody would ask him one time, how do you walk in this anointing? And he said, how you keep the anointing is you've got to walk in love and forgiveness. And I'm just going to read to you this prophetic word that he said. He says, there will be a revival in this area of physical phenomena in these days in which we're living. We're in the edge of it now. Some say, well, it's all over. You might as well dig a hole and get in it. The devil's going to take over. Don't you believe a word of it? God's power shall come into manifestations in this hour. His glory shall be revealed as never before, and men shall see his glory, and they shall behold his power. I'm going to take you, on, take you on into my power. You've only touched the outside realm, just the edge. A few men stepped in a little further and momentarily had a manifestation of divine power in their ministries. Even the dead on many occasions have been raised, and great miracles of healing have happened. But no man has ever stepped into that realm to abide and minister. I'm preparing a group in this day, who without fear and in faith will step out of the natural, they will step out beyond human mentality, step out beyond the physical senses, step over into the realm of faith, step into the realm of power and glory, and my glory, saith the Lord, shall be made manifest unto thee. And many who will doubt, I'll even visit them, and the visible cloud of the Lord shall even come into visible contact with them, and they'll say, surely the Lord is at work." And this was a prophecy given by Kenneth E. Hagin in Houston, Texas. Guys, I've, the reason why I've been teaching on this is because I'm preparing us for this move of God. Somebody say, well, Pastor Mark, you're suggesting that people are going to fall in the power of God. No, I'm going to tell you they will because it's biblical and it's church history. It's going to happen. Uh, it's not the power of suggestion. The power of suggestion is this. I was in a meeting one time where, um, and I'm not this kind of pastor, and I'm not this kind of preacher, and you won't ever hear me do this, is uh, he goes, he was got up there, and he goes, I just wish somebody would run in this place. 
stop a little bit. I just wish somebody, if I stood up here and said, I wish somebody would run in this place, one of you in here, probably Clark, one of you in here <laughs> is going to get up and run around here just so I will shut up and so that we can go home. That's the power of suggestion. I'm not, that's not, nowhere in the Bible does it say, I just wish you'd run. I'm showing you Bible that this happened in the Bible. It's happened in church history. It will happen in God's timing when he's ready to move. And everybody said, amen. All right, I'm going to have, I know it's 11.53, but there's, there's a few things that I felt like the Lord wanted me, uh, three things that I felt like the Lord wanted me to pray for over you guys, uh, over anybody that's here. And... Um, I just want everybody to bow your head and close your eyes in here this morning. And we're going to have... The, the first thing that I felt, uh, there, was two, there was two diseases that I felt like the Lord wants to heal today. And, and God's always in the healing business, okay? I just feel like that this is a word of knowledge and the reason why there's a word of knowledge is because it helps build your faith that, you know, yeah, God wants to heal this. And, and I'm going to say this, that uh, you can even, I believe this, that you can even stand in the gap for somebody. If you know somebody that's dealing with this, these two things that I'm about to mention. <clears throat> and God brought these two scenarios to me this week. Um, Father, thank you for your healing virtue that's in this place. God, I feel the power of the Lord is present to heal the sick, to heal diseases that man has not even found right medicines to even cure yet. We thank you for medicine. We thank you for doctors not discounting that, not discounting medicines and the things that you've created to help us. But God, we look to you today as a great physician, as a great healer. And both of them start with A. The first one's Alzheimer's and the second one's arthritis. And if you're dealing with any of that in your own personal life, I want you to come up here. Or if you want to stand in the gap for somebody, I want you to come up here this morning for Alzheimer's and arthritis. Don't be bashful. Don't be shy. I want you to just come up here and stand. I'm just going to do a little, come on up here, Nina. I just want to do a little simple deal of just, anointing you with oil. Oil is a symbol of the Holy Spirit. And if I can have some, Clark and Mark and Dusty, if you guys will come up here too. And uh, I'm just going to do what the Bible says and anoint you with oil. And the oil is a symbol of the Holy Spirit. Um, the book of James talks about it, to do that. And, um, and I called for Mark and Dusty and Clark, because they function as elders in our house, and uh, it says, call for the elders of the church, pray over them, anoint them with oil, and they shall be healed, and so that's what we're going to do, and uh, God gave me compassion this week for Alzheimer's, I'm going to tell you a little story before I pray. I'm a chaplain as well on hospice. We have this lady that's on our hospice 
and I know she wouldn't mind me sharing this, and I'm not gonna share her name or anything, but she called me and she was upset and she said she said, Mark, I went to I went to Walmart today and I had an episode and an Alzheimer's related incident. And what Alzheimer's does, it messes with your mind. Okay. And and she said, and I was not myself in this situation. And she said, and I couldn't control it. And she said, there was somebody that came up to me with a, there was a service dog. And she goes, and I love, you know, I normally love pets and everything, but I just lost it on this person with this service dog because the service dog got too close to me. And, and she went home and she was beating herself up because she said, I felt so bad that, that I acted like that towards that person. And, and, and she, uh, she said, but I realized that it was an Alzheimer's-related episode that I had. And, uh, and I just told her, you know, I prayed with her over the phone and said, hey, God's grace is sufficient. He's going to take care of that. I'm going to go see her soon, and I'm going to do this same thing and pray over her. And, um, and so that's what I'm going to do is go through here, pray for you three. And then, Carrie, I want you to come up here too because I, I want to, I feel like I have a word for you today, okay? All right, Nina, are you with the which one? Arthritis, okay. Nina, I pray for you in the name of Jesus. Jesus is the healer. I'm not the healer, he is. And Father, your word says that we were doing two things that your word says. Your word says to anoint those uh, with oil and pray the prayer of faith and it would heal the sick and so that's what we're doing to, today here we're just praying the prayer of faith to heal Nina of arthritis in Jesus name and so God we thank you that your word also says that we can lay hands on the sick and that they would be healed and so Lord I thank you that arthritis is bound its knee to the name of Jesus Lord I pray that every joint every fiber of her being is being healed right now that all this inflammation in her body is leaving right now in Jesus name that you're releasing your virtue you're releasing the salve of the spirit into every joint God that supplies for for Nina God and you're healing her in Jesus name in Jesus name there it is just receive it Nina just receive it in Jesus name it's Carrie right Carrie what are you up here for arthritis, arthritis. okay Father, we come to you in Jesus' name, and Lord, I lay my hands on Carrie. God, again, just as we did with Nina, God, just declaring your word of healing over him, God. Lord, laying my hands on him, your, your word says that you would heal the sick in Jesus' name. Hallelujah there. Just receive that. Just receive it in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Father, I thank you that you're healing Carrie, Father, right now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Kathy, what are you up here for? In arthritis. Okay. Who? Gary. Okay. So you're still. And Eldon, too. Okay. 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 Father, I thank you for Kathy. I thank you that you're going to heal her, but God, she's also standing in the gap for her husband, for Eldon, and for Gary. God, and I thank you that your word says, God, that they are healed right now in Jesus' name. And God, that Kathy is healed in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. And, and uh, 
Father, I just thank you that you're healing Kathy right now. Lord, we lay hands upon her. And we say that she is healed in Jesus' name. God, we thank you that, Father, that um, your word says that we could anoint people with oil, pray the prayer of faith, and it would heal the sick. So she's being healed. And, Father, as I'm doing this, I just feel like, Kathy, you're going to, you're going to go home today, and you don't have to. You don't have to tell Eldon, "Hey, I'm going to pray for you." And I'm, but you just, you're just, I'm, I'm giving you, anointing you to just lay hands on Eldon today. At some point, sometime, God's going to give you the opportunity to do that, and you're going to minister healing to him just through the personal touch. That's why God wants us to lay hands on people. You don't have to pray a prayer. You don't have to. You can, you can, you can lay hands on people at a ball game. Just come up to them, wrap your arm around them, and just speak healing over them. And so, Lord, I thank you that she's going to minister healing to Eldon today in Jesus' name. I also think that there's going to be a time coming soon, maybe like over Thanksgiving, the, the holidays or whatever, that you're going to be able to just go up and do that same thing to Gary. Give him a big old hug, a hug of healing. And so, God, we just thank you and praise you that you're healing Kathy right now, and she's going to go in, in as freely as she's received, freely as she's going to give it. God, in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Amen. Is there anybody else? Oh, okay. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I thought you was up here with Nina. Yeah. Nina. I'm, I do that all the time. Nina, Nina. Okay. You're, huh? Micah. Okay. Is it uh, arthritis in his back? Yeah. Okay. Father, I thank you for Nalina. I thank you for this mama. God, I thank you that she's standing in the gap today for Micah. God, I thank you that right now, wherever he's at, whatever he's doing, God, you're healing his back right now. In Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord, that there's no distance in prayer. But God, also, I'm anointing her that whenever she does see Micah, she's going to be able to just do what I told Kathy, give him a hug of healing in Jesus' name. And so, Lord, I just thank you that you're healing Micah right now in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you, Lord. Yes. Jennifer, how can I pray with you? Husband's okay, mother. your husband's mother. Okay, Carol, Carol. Okay, and Alzheimer's. Alzheimer's. Okay, okay. All right, Father, I thank you for Jennifer. Lord, I thank you for her big heart for people, her heart of compassion. God, Lord, she's standing up here in the gap for her mother-in-law, Carol. And so we're just declaring that Alzheimer's. We're praying that for just a sound mind over Carol, God, right now, in Jesus' name. And God, I thank you that Jennifer, I, I'm anointing you as you stand in the gap, just like I did with, with Nalina and Kathy. I'm anointing you to be able to go and take this anointing with you and just, you know, touch her, hug her, and, and that hug or that touch is just going to release the Lord's healing into her, into her body and into her mind. And so, God, we thank you that you're healing Carol right now. God, you're putting your angels about her, and you're healing her mind right now. I just see, I just see the, the soundness of mind coming to her, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to astound herself. It's going to astound Jennifer and her husband, God, and we just thank you for healing Carol, God, right now. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Father, I thank you for Betty, and she's standing in the gap for her, her uh, sister Susan and uh, for Alzheimer's. And Lord, I pray that hmm, 
just the word that Dusty sent me this morning. Uh, it was a word that I released over you guys back in 2008. Is and I'm just speaking this word over your your sister Susan that she's had a one track mind of just receiving it that she's been diagnosed with it and she's just like well I've got it I'm just gonna you know cope with it uh, but the Lord today we declare this today is beginning a work in her heart and in her mind to give her a different mindset and a mindset of healing a mindset that no I'm not accepting this this is not of God. And, and you and Dusty, and I'm going to include Dusty in this with you, Betty, um, I, I think there's going to be opportunity coming forth, you know, over the holidays that you're going to be able to sow a seed into her mind to help her change her mindset. But God's beginning that work today, and, um, and, and he's going to give you the, the grace and the, the compassion and the love that you need to be able to do that without, you know, being judgmental or critical or anything like that. He's going to show you how to minister that to her. And, uh, but a mindset is coming to her right now in Jesus' name, a mindset change from this one-track mindset to that she's going to be able to see, no, God didn't create this. God didn't put this on me. This isn't of, of God. I'm not accepting it. I'm not receiving it. And so, God, we just thank you that you're ministering that to Susan right now in Jesus' name. That's part of the sound mind that you're ministering to her right now, God. And I thank you for Betty standing in the gap and I anoint her to, to be able to go and lay hands on her sister and uh, to hug her, lay hands on her, and God, just to further this ministry of healing to her sister, Susan. God, and we thank you for healing Susan in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Jane, will you come up here, baby? anybody else for healing okay Carrie I anoint you with oil today and um, I'm just going to speak this word over you, you are you recording this okay good because <clears throat> I feel like this is something you're going to need to just mull over and listen to more but I felt like the Lord showed me this morning as I was in prayer about today's service and you just came to mind Carrie and, and what um, the Lord told me to do is to anoint you with oil, to anoint you, that there, you're, you're stepping into what I would call um, an apostolic anointing, uh, an even greater anointing uh, that you've ever experienced before. And I don't say that to scare you or to put fear in you. It's just it's something that God is, is, is calling you up higher, to a higher place. And... Um, <laughs> And how he didn't, you're going to think this is funny, but how he did it was through um, your skincare products. And this morning, uh, I know under the sound of my voice, everybody that's here, most of you know Carrie uh, is the skincare lady. She takes care of her pastor, by the way. She keeps me looking better and younger. And, uh, but anyway, she'd reached out to me this week about something that of mine was, you know, and I haven't been using the product right and not enough. And so I still had plenty left, so I wasn't able to order anymore. But I was, but it inspired me. I got to get back on that that routine. And so this morning, I'm putting on my skincare products. I'm just confessing that right now. And I was putting on dark spot removers and wrinkle stuff. And the Lord gave me this word for you. And He said, He said, Mark, I am putting an anointing on Carrie, an apostolic anointing, to take dark spots out of people and to take wrinkles out of people. 
and he's given you an, uh, he's given you an apostolic anointing to do that. And when I mean apostolic, I just mean you're going to be a sent one. Uh, it's already happening. It already has been happening, uh, but it's going to increase. Um, uh, uh, it's going to increase at school in your ministry as a teacher. You're going to be able to minister to the least of those that um, that nobody that you know everybody bypasses and looks over. And you're gonna you're gonna you're going to uh, remove those dark spots in them. You're gonna iron out the wrinkles that they have uh, because you're gonna let them know that God sees them. That God sees them. And but then there's also in your business, in your skincare business, I, pe- I see God bringing you many women and men as well. And you're gonna be able to um, speak in their life through these products and and minister to them and, and give them hope and give them encouragement and even bring people into the kingdom of God. And so, Lord, there's just an apostolic anointing that you're placing upon Carrie. And, God, I just bless her today with this this anointing, God. I lay my hands upon her. And, God, I can't wait to hear the testimonies of the increase that's going to happen in her life and in her ministry, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God is good and all the time. Amen. Anxiety? Okay. In a clear mind. Amen. What's your name, buddy? Jonathan. Okay. Okay. Father, I lay my hands on Jonathan. And God, I just speak sound mind over him right now in the name of Jesus. God, you haven't given him a spirit of fear, spirit of fear. I ask you to leave this man right now in the name of Jesus. And we release power, love, and a sound mind over him in Jesus' name. No more anxiety. God, we pray the peace of God, the peace of God that passes all understanding over him right now. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You bet your butt. Amen. God is good and all the time. Darren, I'm supposed to tell you that God sees you, God knows you, knows exactly where you're at. And his last, I know your last name's Smallwood, right? There ain't nothing small about you, buddy. And whenever I see you, I see that, that tree and what's that tree in California? The sequo- is it Sequoia? The Redwoods? Yeah. What, why am I thinking Sequoia? Is that what they're called to? No? I don't know where the word Sequoia comes Is that, Am I right? Am I, okay. I was like, where'd that word come from? All right. But I, that's the way God sees you. You're big wood, not small wood. <laughs> I'll say that in my Native American tongue. <laughs> How do you say that in Choctaw? You're big wood, not small wood. But that I just want you to know that God sees you and you're big in God's eyes. Nothing small about you, man. Amen. God is good? All right. I want everybody to stand up. and I'm going to speak a blessing over everybody here today. Jada, will you come up here, babe? And we're going to speak this blessing over you. I think we've had church today, amen? All right. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you. May the Lord be gracious unto you. May the Lord give you his peace. May the Lord bless your going out and your coming in today. May the Lord anoint you to to fulfill the divine destiny that God has given to you. May everything that is brought against you be crushed by the protection that God himself shall provide. May you be blessed in your health. 
may be blessed in your relationships. May your children and your children's children be blessed because they are the heritage of the righteous. From this day forward, as you submit yourselves to the Christ of the cross, may your lives be filled with joy that is unspeakable and full of glory and with peace that surpasses all understanding. May your home, as the word of God says, be as the days of heaven on earth. In Jesus' name we pray and ask it. And everybody said, Amen. Now hug somebody's neck and say, I'm going to go home and go into my trance. (laughs) Amen. Yeah, and remind you about the angels, angel trees. Don't forget the gifts. (laughs) Amen.